This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, we were talking about uh, Covington. And we got a first-person account at the bottom of the last hour from Monsignor Pat Hamborough, pastor at St. Mark Catholic Church in St. Louis, Missouri. The kids did something good for him, is what he told us. D.C. Press Corps, hello? The actual priest who was accosted by black Hebrews that was sort of the day that's, that started this daisy chain. Anybody want to hear from him? It was a wonderful story. Yeah, I mean, story that is itself. great what they did for him. So the reactions, we focused a lot on reactions from guests and for the usual suspects on the left. Uh, some of the unusual suspects on the right, including in Catholic circles, apologies, walking back in statements made in a rush to judgment. What about higher ed? Higher ed plays in this story. In part because we know left-wing activists have been calling schools that some of these Covington Catholic high school boys have gotten into colleges and saying, rescind your acceptance letter. Oh, yeah. You saw what happened. You don't want a bad reputation. You don't want to sully your university's name. Yeah, a real. I mean, honestly, do people, are they that bored that they're going to go after high school boys? Well, maybe they know something about uh, the how willing universities are to yield to public pressure from the left that uh, other people don't quite fully realize. And then there have been just the actual reactions, even as more of the evidence has been presented, even as more of the first-person accounts have been documented, even as more background has been provided as to the media's hero in this story, Nathan Phillips, from the Ivy League. University of Pennsylvania Associate Professor Ebony Elizabeth Thomas talked about uh, Nick Sandman mm -hmm. as the smiling face of whiteness, oh, quote-unquote. The smiling face of whiteness is one that, quote, always hides a knife behind its back. Mm -hmm. You forgive us, right? You have to forgive us. Understanding will make it better. Reconciliation, diversity, inclusion. She continued conveying what she suggests to be the attitude of what most white people. Usually that or else happens anyway, but it will assuredly happen unless you kiss whiteness's ring. University of Pennsylvania. Huh. Uh, how about uh, over at Yale and Dartmouth? Uh, professor uh, Dartmouth, Associate Professor of English Jeff Charlotte, best-selling author, said that uh, I have no problem with someone doxing these boys. Doxing, meaning disclosing yeah. their personal information, addresses, and so forth for the purposes of oh, pursuing. Mm -hmm. uh, to his credit, on the Yale side, Nick Christakis uh, suggested that mob justice is not justice. 
tepidly suggested. At least that's my opinion. As if that is something that needs to be debated on college campuses now. Is mob justice justice? Uh, Nick Kristeka says it isn't. Jeff Charlotte over at Dartmouth says it is. To Ivy League schools. Mm-hmm. For more on higher ed in the context of this case and some others, including our conversation yesterday with uh, Ryan Bomberger, the Wheaton College incident. We're pleased to be joined again by Peter Wood. He's the president of the National Association of Scholars. Peter, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. What, what's, uh, what's been your reaction and those of your colleagues in academia uh, to some of the reactions being visited upon these Covington Catholic High School boys, particularly as compared to, say, the reaction to other high school kids who became celebrated activists like you know, the pro-gun control survivors from Parkland? Well, my general reaction is uh, I'm appalled at the way the press has responded. I'm appalled at the way my colleagues and many colleges and universities have who are uh, seemingly delighted to uh, have another opportunity to bash so-called whiteness and to assume that any kid who would dare wear a mega hat has to be thought of as a, a, a monster of some sort. Um, of course, I represent the slice of academe that doesn't believe those things. Right. So uh, the colleagues I hear from most immediately are more or less uh, unanimous in thinking that this is a case of grave injustice to the students, but exemplary of what happens in the world of progressive higher education. The rush to judgment is now uh, a well-trodden path. Uh, we saw the same thing with the Duke lacrosse case a few years ago uh, when the University of Virginia had its uh, uh, great phony rape case. The, uh, the complicity of higher education with the mobbing of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, there's a, a long and sort of storied history of the academic left jumping in and uh, assuming the worst or inventing the worst is more often the case. And uh, here we go again. And, and, uh, and why not, right? Because, I mean, aren't most of these academics take the Duke lacrosse case? They're insulated from consequences for being uh, wrong morally and in every other way, just as the media is. I mean, what happened to any academic that signed the infamous letter in the Duke lacrosse case uh, condemning the boys uh, uh, other than being uh, being excoriated by Jay Billis. What happened to them professionally? Nothing. Uh, well, actually, things did happen to them professionally. Most of them got promoted and <laughs> okay. on to, yeah. uh, bigger and better jobs at other institutions. Yeah, uh, okay. As far as I know, none of them suffered adverse consequences, but for their bravery and uh, uh, supporting a phony story and rushing to bad conclusions, uh, they got the full set of rewards that academia can provide. Wow. So uh, going back to that video, though, when you first saw it, what was your initial reaction? Well, I did not see the, the short video that uh, caused the trouble until after I had seen the uh, longer video that put it all in context. So by the time I saw the short video, I could see that it was a, a carefully packaged lie and uh, that uh, that people had taken it seriously, 
sure that I could understand that uh, the kid's uh, smiles, his, his smirk was perfectly presented as though he was some kind of uh, disrespectful um, uh, guy. But, you know, it, the proper response of anybody dealing with modern media is to look for context to try to understand what was going on. Um, since then, we've learned that virtually the entire thing was a manufactured lie, fake news in the fullest sense of the word. Well, if you didn't uh, see the initial video snippet, then you're clearly not monitoring your Twitter account as religiously as you should be, and that's that's a high crime these days. Uh, j- just on that, too, because that's so much a part of uh, the conversation as well, the media's reaction and academics, some academics, too, not willing to offer a full mea culpa, not willing to absolve the boys in the case, not willing to indict the conflicting stories offered by Nathan Phillips, for example, but they are willing to blame social media. And David Brooks does a little bit of this, and otherwise pretty good piece in the New York Times this week, How We Destroy Lives Today, about the use of social media. But he sort of mm-hmm. he sort of tries to give reporters some cover, like, you know, it's really difficult being a reporter in the Twitter age because, you know, you're because of the time pressures, because of the nature of social media, like like we're beholden to this neutral outlet or like this neutral outlet is responsible for the content that some people choose to put through it. And I just sort of wanted you to comment on that because, of course, the blame shifting that comes here, including from circles of academia, sort of to blame inanimate objects like a Twitter portal rather than the people that are funneling poison through it. Right. It, it's the um, the world in which uh, external circumstances made me do it. Well, nobody is driven to uh, write a news story based on a, uh, a tweet. Uh, that's a choice that people make, and it's a lazy choice if uh, you follow the tweet without doing any real journalism. And the uh, the idea that you're just reporting something that happened on the internet is ludicrous. There is a responsibility that comes with the public regard that the uh, uh, news media give people. It is interesting that the uh, uh, the world of uh, the counter media takes these things apart so quickly. The, the mainstream media never own up to their faults or never fully own up to them. But there is this uh, world of other people who busily uncover where the lies are. So the, the world of, um, I'm not sure we would say it's just Twitter, but the world of the Internet does provide a pretty good safeguard against the uh, the mob mentality of the respectable media. And oh. We've been living through that ever since the Dan Rather case, I guess. Since your uh, organization represents that sliver of academics who believe in antiquated ideas like uh, academic freedom and uh, the college as a free marketplace of ideas and so on and so forth, um, I always like to get a stop, look, and listen from you as to whether you think things are starting to improve. Is the pendulum starting to swing back to, in the direction of those antiquated notions, or is it not? We try to take uh, events like um, the uh, advent of, of, of enterprises like heterodox uh, 
Academy, uh, Jonathan Haidt and some others that are sort of center-left academics, but they're not on board for the totalitarian groupthink on campus or the squelching out of opinions that uh, the prevailing uh, authorities don't subscribe to. So w where where is that in terms of the environment on college campuses today? Is there improvements being made even at the margins, or are we still uh, you know, so far down the looking glass that um, it's hard to see much positive? Um, the, the story is improvements on the margins. More and more academic, academics who are just keeping their heads low and trying to stay out of trouble are now being willing to come forward and, and admit that there are big problems and they need to do something about it. But when I say more and more, it's still a small minority. The uh, prevailing uh, leftist groupthink continues. Uh, there is a greater willingness on the part of uh, conservative politicians to take higher education seriously. So we're seeing some movement there. Uh, the Trump administration has been pretty good at giving a, uh, a cover for uh, those college presidents, few in number, who want to uh, take the protection of intellectual freedom, academic freedom seriously. Uh, so I'd say there are bits and pieces of improvement, but like the rest of the country, uh, polarization is the uh, still the word of the hour. That is the the 90% or so of the campus that is either uh, very actively on the left or passively on the left still determines the uh, nature of the institution. So um, unless you pick off one of the uh, handful of small colleges around the country that have deliberately set themselves against the regime of political correctness, what you'll find is almost all the mainstream institutions uh, the big state universities, the Ivy League colleges, the prestigious liberal arts colleges will uh, be predictably uh, in support of the efforts to uh, uh, crush whiteness, uh, persuade us all that white males are a scourge, that heterosexuality needs to be abolished or at least put in some limited place. And the whole nine yards of uh, the reformation of humanity according to the lights of the far left uh, proceed the pace and it's much worse than your audience is likely to recognize unless they've been spending time on campus there's uh, a question stories. yeah yeah sorry peter there's a question to ask when you take your kids for their college visits hey uh professor or administrator x uh, you guys have focused on crushing whiteness. I just yeah, thought so <laughs> just I get the heads know. up before I send Johnny here. Uh, you should ask him that question. You should also ask uh, professors and administrators. Uh, are you members of the National Association of Scholars? That's a good tell as to whether you'll find a welcoming environment intellectually as well. He is Peter Wood, president of the National Association Association of Scholars. Peter, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, the 